Welcome everyone to Vagina Talk Podcast. We are Dr. Alexis May Kimball and I am Dr. David Kimball. We're two double-boarded female pelvic reconstructive and cosmetic surgeons. This is the podcast where we have honest conversations and discuss important and often misunderstood topics. Our goal isn't just to answer taboo questions or probe into taboo-related issues, but it's really to promote healthy discussions. Hopefully that'll lead to healthier lifestyles. Hey, everyone. Welcome. This is the uh, podcast called Vagina Talk with uh, Drs. Kimball. I'm Dr. David Kimball. This is Dr. Alexis May Kimball, my lovely wife. And Vagina Talk is kind of one of those podcasts that are very new and innovative. We're trying to like break through some of those taboo topics and talk about things that are like shoved under the rug and no one wants to ever talk about. That's right. So we're, we're doing a surgical series with this one. Um, the first one was just talking about like, what the, what's the patient experience mm-hmm. like at the hospital? Mm-hmm. What do they go through? What do they think about? And then the second one was really totally awesome. Talking about hysterectomy or better yet, you direct me. So today we're actually talking about incontinence, something that affects what, well, how many women in the world do you think it affects? It affects a large number of women, probably over 30% of women as a chronic condition, um, more common than even things like hypertension, diabetes, commonly common household sort of conditions that you normally hear about where incontinence is sort of left behind. Absolutely. So that is our topic today. We actually picked a backdrop that was kind of apropos for today because this is the first unofficial day of summer, Memorial Day. And we want to send a big shout out to all of our veterans, all of the military people, everybody who gives us the freedoms that we have in the world we know today. So we thank you from the bottom of our heart. So listen up, let's enjoy talking about incontinence and learn what you can do to stop it. That's right. So we thought the best way to approach this would be talking about really facts and myths around uh, incontinence and anti-incontinence surgical treatments. So that would probably be the funnest and easiest way for us to kind of address some of the salient issues we find and encounter on a daily basis. So let's ask the first question, fact or fiction, uh, Dr. Kimball, are slings safe? Well, I would say that's a fact. Fact! (laughs) Okay. Now, why do we know it's a fact? Because we have a huge body of literature, scientific data over and over and over again that demonstrates the fact that slings are not only very effective, but very safe. Now, would you agree with that? I mean, you you went to an amazing fellowship, honey. I mean, you are so educated and talented. How would you kind of think about slings? I would say that mid-urethral slings are the gold standard today to address stress urinary incontinence. It's really the treatment with which all treatments, surgical treatments for stress urinary incontinence are compared. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. You know, I, um, I started practicing out of residency and my training in 1996. That was the first sling that came on the market. It was a retropubic sling. Um, It it really revolutionized what we did, but it it took a long time to kind of adopt that technology. And then all of a sudden in early 2000s, 
retransitioned to less invasive slings. And then again, in about 2010, 2011, we transitioned into many slings. So we've seen a whole host of really innovative technology that's come on the market to treat the stress incontinence. It's right. pretty incredible. That's right. So let's rewind a little bit. So what is a mid-urethral sling? When we talk about that, we're referring to a host of different types of really tension-free vaginal tape that is really placed under the mid-urethra in between the urethra and the vagina to address the effects of stress urinary incontinence. Whether we address this, the root of passage, whether we address this through the abdomen, the retropubic space, or we go through the transobturator space, or we do the adjustable mini sling, um, that really kind of varies between surgeon, but essentially that's what we're referring to. Agreed, agreed. And yes, absolutely. It's really changed the way we address stress urinary incontinence. And it's come a long way since some of the older sort of surgeries that obviously were a little bit more invasive, um, required more time in the hospital. And, you know, when we really, really studied the efficacy of slings, we, sh we saw that it's as safe and as effective as some of the older sort of procedures, such as birch, which you may have heard about or even some of the other retropubic cobalt suspensions. So they yeah. are safe. Okay, Agreed. next question. Yeah, one of the first ones on the market was called MMK. And then Birch was like a transition from there. And we've just gone through a total evolution here. But I will tell you that, you know, when we left um, New York and we came here, we kind of reviewed back through the last 3,000 slings that were done in, in our department. And we found that 93% of patients said, I'm dry. I'm happy. This has been amazing. So they're, they're not only super effective, but like you said, they're super safe. They're super safe. And they truly are the gold standard. We have the most literature on mid-urethral slings in our field and what, what it's done to improve the quality of life for thousands of women um, is really understated at large. Absolutely. All right. So, you know, I, I want to pose the second question, which is, you know, I hear this from my patients. <laughs> They're like all, they, they read things on the internet. They listen to talk shows. They look at all the different advertisements about slings and they say, Hey, Dr. Kimball, do slings cause cancer? Fiction. Slings do not cause cancer. No. Let me say that again. Mid-urethral slings and polypropylene mesh do not cause cancer. We would never as physician and surgeons place anything in the human body that would be a cause of cancer. Um, unfortunately, you know, slings are really an inert material. They're made of polypropylene mesh, which is a synthetic material. Um, like we did, you know, Dr. Kibble and I spoke about many on many occasions. It's really what we've commonly used in super material that's been processed and really made very sterile to be compatible with most individuals. So it does not cause cancer. It does not cause infections at large. And it's extremely an inert sort of implant. Correct. Correct. Okay. Let's go. So going back, slings are safe. Fact. Fact. Do they cause cancer? Fiction. Okay. Now, I was thinking, you know, some patients ask me, Dr. Kimball, you put this, like you talked about, in the mid-urethral region. So let's say the, the urethra is about this long in the female. 
So, which is about four centimeters. Yeah, about four centimeters. So which is what, about yeah. two inches, a little less than two inches. So it's pretty short. So you've got this thin little sling that goes underneath the urethra in the mid portion of it. Now, can it go anywhere else in the body that migrates somewhere else? Is that fact or fiction that it goes somewhere else? What would you say? Oh, fiction. fiction. Not true. Yeah. It can't. It stays where we put it, right? So for the most part, slings will integrate where we place it surgically, and that's the goal. Obviously, um, post-operative activity plays a large part in where the sling integrates, but where it integrates, it should not migrate. Could it, we talked about, could it be exposed or could it erode into other viscera? Absolutely. But actual migration is a completely different phenomenon and is not seen. Yeah, absolutely. And what we're talking about with like this erosion or something, you know, as, as the, we all age, our skin kind of thins out a little bit, the vaginal wall thins out. So could a few of those little teeny tiny fibers become exposed in the vagina? You know, it's possible. Right. It happens in less than 3% of patients. So it's not a large number of patients. And what do we do about it? It's a pretty simple correction, isn't it? A quick little, let's clip the fibers out of there. We're done. Right. You're back to normal. So if that were to happen, obviously we follow all our patients where we place mid-urethral slings. And if that happens, we address it either surgically or sometimes we do conservative measures. And oftentimes Dr. Kimmel and I both employ techniques to kind of be very proactive in preventing that from occurring. So that's very important. I mean, post-operative activity, um, collaboratively with us and as a patient, it plays a huge role in the success of your slings. Oh, absolutely. You know, you were talking about conservative measures, right? So I have patients, colleagues, actually, who say, you know, Dr. Kimball, why not do physical therapy? Is physical therapy as effective in treating stress and condoms as a sling would be? What, what do you think, honey? I mean, as a urogynecologist, I would have to say that physical therapy is. You know, is it more effective than treating addressing stress urinary incontinence? I would absolutely say that's fiction. Yeah. It cannot be more effective than surgical management with a mitorethral sling. Having said that, I recognize too that both treatment modalities have its own inherent risk and benefits. So that all that always has that list has to be weighed between you and your surgeon and your therapist. Uh, physical therapy is an important component. And when I say physical therapy, I mean pelvic floor strengthening, rehabilitation. Right. That could come in many forms, something that we also practice in our own <laughs> office, in our center with our patients, um, absent of a physical therapist. But I think, you know, that's one huge component. But when stress urinary incontinence gets to a point where it's very advanced, very severe, there are anatomical changes that really need surgical correction. I totally agree. You know, are we saying physical therapy is no good? Absolutely not. Fiction. Physical therapy is good, but it's an adjunct. It's, it's a complement to what we're doing for our patients for slings and various other treatment modalities. But in and of itself, by itself, can it take somebody with really severe stress incontinence? I leak when I get out of a car, when I'm running, when I'm playing with my kids, you know, when I'm doing laundry, whatever it might be. It can't stop that. Absolutely. It can't. When you compare efficacy and severity, 
we would have to say that it's definitely fiction that physical therapy can cure stress incontinence at a certain stage. Um, having said that too, I would also say that, um, you know, stress urinary incontinence is a complex condition. It's complicated oh, yeah. and it's uncomplicated. And the two categories that patients exist, whether they're complicated or uncomplicated, may dictate really the treatment algorithm that we recommend. So it's really important to kind of really tease out what the baseline condition is and really sort of what's informing that condition, how severe it is, how bothersome it is, how long it's been present, and what is the pathophysiology that's causing that. It, you know, incontinence is a complex condition, and there's many different causes. Even within the window of stress urinary incontinence, there's different, there's different etiology, whether it's complicated or uncomplicated. You know, I think that's a super important point to make is the fact that not every patient is the same. So you can't treat every patient with a sling, Absolutely. right? You just can't. So you've got to have different treatment modalities. I mean, honestly, in our practice, how many different treatment modalities for incontinence would you say we have? So depending on the type of incontinence, mm -hmm. let's just take stress urinary incontinence, for mm -hmm. example. Yeah. So we're talking about mid urethral slings is once management um, for us. Mm -hmm. It's one way we address it surgically. The other surgical ways we may address it, alternative to slings, may include periurethral bulking. That would be the second. And Absolutely. that is a great option for many mm -hmm. patients. We can do a whole discussion on that, right? Absolutely. And what would you say the third? There are other types of slings that don't require synthetic components. True. You know, back in the early 90s, what we would do is we would extract a little bit of a person's tissue off their leg deep inside through the skin. And we would put that underneath the urethra. It's called fasciolata is the fancy term for it. Okay. But we realized that, you know, the weakened tissue underneath the urethra that caused the incontinence probably means that there's weakened tissue throughout the body. So putting this tissue underneath the urethra, does it really work? Yeah, maybe for a short period of time, but in the long run, fiction. Not at all. That's why we went to slings as the most optimal means of controlling incontinence. Right? Right. Right. Absolutely. So I mean, there's different ways for us to, the fascia lot is one of them. We can also harvest fascia from the abdomen called a rectofascial sling. Um, and sometimes we also use different grafts from cadavers um, to kind of place it under mid urethra. And this might be an option for patients who have problems with immunogenicity, they've had previous pelvic radiation, putting a synthetic sling might be, you know, a higher risk clinical scenario in terms of exposure of mesh, those sort of, those sort of considerations, but those are things that we consider collaboratively with you. Um, but, you know, it, def it definitely has its place, but it's not as common, common or beneficial to every patient when you weigh the risk and benefit ratio for uh, surgical patients? Yeah, I would say probably the most common scenario that I've used a biological sling, like cadaveric sling, is somebody who is undergoing chemotherapy right. for cancer yeah. because their immune system is like very right. suppressed. Right. And it's really hard for them to be able to kind of heal that area, integrate the sling and to have the effect they need. Right. So biological sling works a whole right. lot. In better. that scenario. And they it may also, not be perfect, 
right? But, but it's, it's a whole it's lot an improvement. Better. And, yeah. you know, in someone like that, they need relief because they've had the pelvis irradiated and the tissues have been denervated. They suffer. So incontinence is a big problem. So obviously, I mean, it's very, like we said, based on the patient and they, it has its place. And they're what we're trying to sort of communicate is that there are many different ways for us to address surgical approaches to stress urinary incontinence. And I think that is the message we're trying to send to everybody as urogynecologists, we're specialists, right? This is what we do for a living. You know, how many years of education did we undergo and training to be able to get to today, to be able to say to you, this is the right treatment modality for your individual condition, your individual history and case. This is what we should do for you. So I, I think that's why it's really important that women seek out that specialist opinion. I think so too, to at least sort of create the plan for you, the treatment algorithm. There, there's a role for um, observation. There's a role for conservative treatments, non-invasive therapies, which we both practice. What we talk about surgical management for stress, urinary incontinence, or even other types of incontinence, which we didn't even go into today. There are wonderful options. And what we want to sort of communicate that's really fiction is that slings are safe. They're not dangerous. They don't cause cancer. They're very effective. And they have a lot of robust data to support their use. True. Very true. So ultimately, I think the take home message is that if you have stress and comments and it's troublesome to you, come see your gynecologist, come see us. We're here for you. We see patients all over the world. They come to LA, who, who, who does not, not wanna be in LA? Really, seriously. <laughs> That's why we did it here today as a commemoration of Memorial Day to say this is the beginning of summer, beginning of a new like start for everybody. That's right? right. That's right. And if you don't know if you have stress incontinence, you just know that you're leaking um, mm -hmm. urine, big starts to figure out what type of incontinence you have and find the appropriate treatment and care. Absolutely. So hey, I think we're gonna end it here. You okay with that? Yes. Okay, perfect. So we thank you tremendously for joining us. We've had such a delightful time. It's such a beautiful setting yes. in sunny Southern California and LA. That's right. right. And we're happy we can share today with you. We're happy we can sort of help demystify some of these myths around incontinence and anti-incontinence surgery. And we hope to see you on our next podcast. Absolutely. And remember, if you are troubled by any conditions that we can treat, come see us in beautiful LA. All right. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Vagina Talk Podcasts. If you want to learn more, you can find us on our web, www.kimballcenterforpelvicwellness.com. See you next time. Bye.